You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Colorado Rockies podcast for and by Rockies fans on Rocky Mountain Rooftop. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Affected by Altitude, a Rockies podcast here on the Rocky Mountain Rooftop Network, a proud member of the Fans First Sports Network. It's a very special episode, a somber episode, as I am joined here by someone who's in mourning, grieving, Rockies fan, one Evan Lang. What am I? What am I grieving about? Which specific part? Because it's it's all bad. <laughs> uh, oh, we'll get to it. Uh, in case I didn't mention, I'm also Skylar Timmons here to host it for you this week. You know, it's it's tough going around here with the Rockies. Sad times, struggling team, and we're going to get into a ton of that. But to start on a happy note, uh, Evan, we have merch. We have merch uh, to celebrate getting 100 followers on Twitter uh, for however long that is relevant. Uh, I have designed and we have released the first uh, T-shirt available for sale at the official Rocky Mountain Rooftop store, which we are doing through Spreadshop. Go ahead and pull that T-shirt up right now. I'd like to introduce the That's Baseball T-shirt. Our, we joked about this on the show a couple weeks ago. And our favorite somewhat meaningless platitude in a post-game, post-loss press conference. Well, you know <laughs> what they say. That's baseball. And now you can wear this on your body. Yeah, and for the audio listeners, we'll describe this for you. Or you can always just go watch it on YouTube. But it's basically just a silhouette of Bud Black wearing the hat with a little purple brim. And then he's just kind of got the the hands up in the air, just the shrugging, kind of that old shrugging meme, just like putting it up with. And then we have That's Baseball just over top of it. Pretty simple design, but it, it looks nice. We've both got our own shirts coming. I'm actually really happy with how the arms came out because it took a little bit of took a little bit of doing where I I had the picture of Bud Black, but you know there's not exactly a photo of him shrugging, um, not really an expression that he does a lot, I guess. So I sort of jimmied it together with some other parts to get those arms drawn, and I think it came out looking pretty good. I'm really happy with how it came out overall. Yeah, it's it's pretty nice, nice simple design. And so you can find that over on our spreadshop.com. You can go to rocky-mountain-rooftop. Those are like the regular like hyphen dashes. Myspreadshop.com. You can find a link over on our Twitter account. We've got that pinned at the top of our profile on Rocky MTN Rooftop. You can go get yourself one. You can get a nice shirt, a hoodie, drink it on a mug. Fun stuff. I got I got the mug. I am looking forward to seeing how it came, how it looks on a mug. the The shirts came out really nice. Uh, hopefully, ours will be delivered around the next time we record, so we can sort of show those off. But um, we get a small portion of every purchase that'll go towards you know helping to fund the show and help us keep things going. So if you want to buy one, we'd be super appreciative and. Hopefully we can in the future have even more shirts and cool merchandise to come. But this we thought was a a good way to kind of kick things off for that. We finally, a joke finally paid off. (laughs) (laughs) One of our dumb bits that we've had on the show for 
coming to three years now is finally paying off. Next up, the Nissan T-shirt. So, do nice we on. owe? Do we owe Mr. Harry Ralston Black? Uh, does he get royalties for this? No. <laughs> <laughs> or he might yes. need it, depending on how things go. Wink. Uh, that's a great segue. Why don't we go into that while I <laughs> remove things from the screen and we go back to normal? Alrighty. So before we get into that, some other quick notes. Daniel Bard is back in the bullpen. Good to see him. He had that bout with just kind of dealing with anxiety. And from all reports and everything, it looks like he's doing good. He's in a better place now. And I, it's really good to have him back, kind of that leader in that bullpen and that one of the veteran leaders on that team that the Rockies really need right now. But it's good to have Daniel Bard back. Mm-hmm. And he's pitched uh, He's pitched twice now since uh, coming back. He has uh, two innings. He's given up one hit. He struck out two. He's looked, uh, he's looked pretty solid. He looks mechanically sound. He, I'm hoping that he's, you know, happy and healthy and doing a lot better right now because mm-hmm. his presence is a presence that I think has been sorely missed on this team. And I think it's a presence that this team really needs to have. And mm-hmm. we've seen, you know, him being there to give advice to other players on this team. And I think that cannot be discounted for how important that is as a, a mental skills coach and as a, a teammate and comrade in that dugout. Yeah. And so he's currently not in the closer role yet. I think they just want to kind of get him exposed out there, just get him some reps. And then, you know, in the coming weeks, we'll transition back into that ninth inning role. If the Rockies ever do have a lead, which at this point doesn't look like they ever will again. Uh, aside from once a week. And so it, it's good to have him back. Definitely need him. And then in other injury notes, Randall Gritchick is on the verge of coming back. So maybe by Monday, we'll have some news about that uh, around the world. When you're hearing this, maybe some news will have broken or some roster moves. He's finishing up this week in Albuquerque, uh, finishing up this weekend, and then they'll reassess and look like he's back. He doesn't have a lot of hits down in Albuquerque, but he's been drawing some walks, scoring some runs. And just kind of working back from that sports hernia, we might need him. Who knows what happens with Randall or with uh, Chris Bryant? Heard is kind of a hip joint pinch, something on a swing on Saturday that took him out of the lineup against the Phillies after one at bat. So we might need to do a little switcheroo, and Chris Bryant may have to lose some time. We'll see what happens. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when Randall Gritchick comes back. Probably Montero goes down. We'll get more into that later. And then lastly, Evan, Armand Marquez. Last we heard, he might be able to be reactivated during the upcoming Cleveland series, coming back from that little forearm strain. Which would be great because this uh, this rotation is <laughs> is really struggling. And we have the series coming up. Uh, it's a, it's a three game series in Cleveland against the guardians that would put him on track after Jose Arania pitched today oof, um, for Gomber and then Feltner to go. And then we would potentially be restarting at the top of the rotation with Erman on, mm-hmm. um, I guess that would be Wednesday. 
Yeah. So there's things they can do, uh, and we'll see what corresponding move is there. We have our preferences, but we also have the more realistic option that is more likely to happen with Noah Davis going down. And he's another one that we'll touch on a little bit in this episode. There's a lot to talk about, Evan. Yeah. I'm going to be real just to preface. If Jose Arania is not designated for assignment and they instead send Noah Davis back down to Albuquerque when Herman is ready to be activated, I will want to tear my own face off. Can you wait and do it until the next episode so then we can catch it live on camera? Probably yes. <laughs> but That's good. And then immediately get flagged on YouTube. But... No, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit later, but there is basically no reason for Noah Davis to be sent back down and for Jose Arania to remain in this rotation or even remain on this team. Yeah, and we can just go ahead and go into it with Noah Davis. Uh, he's kind of been at the top of the line before we get into more of the nitty gritty. Uh, Noah Davis has made two starts, one last Sunday in Seattle, and then over this weekend with, against the uh, the uh, Philadelphia Phillies. Two really solid starts. Went uh, five innings in the first one, solid shutout innings, and then goes four and two-thirds, allows a couple of runs against the Phillies, but still gutsy, solid outing for Noah Davis. And for his first two big league starts, he's been really impressive so far and just his mentality and how he's approached the game while on the mound. Yeah, he had, in both of those starts, he had his pitches working really well. Um, his cutter that he had worked on developing the offseason looked great. Uh, his other pitches were working really well. He he did fantastic. Everything you could have possibly asked for in his first start against the uh, Mariners. And then in his second start against the Phillies, he was really doing quite well until... Honestly, some stuff that really wasn't his fault. Like he he's given up a decent number of hits in uh, in nine point two innings. He's given up nine hits, but he's also struck out ten batters and only walked three. Mm-hmm. And what happened in that Philly start was that well, I believe it was a Ryan McMahon error at third base, and then a a very soft base hit, and so he had two runners on JT JT Real Muto at the plate. And it was very strange. It was it was a pitch inside, but JT Realmuto turns to the home plate umpire and says, that hit me. Mm-hmm. And the umpire goes, yeah, okay, and awards him first base. And if you look at the replay, that pitch did not hit him. And, you know, pr- props to Bud Black, because as much as we make fun of him, he did the right thing in this call of he went out and he argued and he got himself tossed on that. Mm-hmm. which is, you know, what he should have done, sticking up for his young starter there. But really frustrating because Noah had been had been really humming along up to that point, and he ended up having uh, two earned runs, um, sorry, two runs allowed, only one of which was earned. But I really want to see more from him, which is why I don't want him to get sent down when Herman Marquez is back. Yeah, and the thing that impresses me and something that a lot of the other starters in that rotation haven't, they've shown glimpses of it, but they've struggled with is when he was dealing with traffic, 
he was gritting his teeth and battling. You know, he wasn't giving in to guys at the plate on the opposing team. He'd come right back after guys, throw strikes, first pitch strikes, and get ahead of guys and stay competitive and make his pitches when he needed to. And he, he kept things under control. Things didn't spiral out. No, yeah, JT Ramuto gets hit by a pitch with heavy dripping quotations around it. He bears down still and keeps things from getting worse. And he he labored in his start against the Phillies. No, that's why he left after four and two-thirds because he threw 92 pitches. But he's still in there battling, gritting, no a gritty start, keeping his team in it, trying to give his offense a chance to keep it in, keep themselves in it. Yeah, that Noah Davis has impressed in two starts, and he definitely deserves more because we've seen what some of the other guys are doing, and he he is more than deserving of a spot in there. Yeah, he's pitching with guts. He's pitching with confidence in that in that start against the Mariners. He had a comebacker knock his hat off, mm-hmm. and that was his first like showcase highlight yeah that he he got the the tower buzzed over on the mound there and he immediately got back up and and kept on pitching and he didn't let it you know rattle him or or anything like that and that is something that we really need in this rotation is is confidence Mm -hmm. yeah the only the best starting pitchers are ones that can pitch without fear and without getting rattled like you're saying because we saw that with some of the other guys as soon as things aren't working they start thinking too much they're getting scared of oh man is this pitch gonna end up in the seats or thing and that's tough and we'll talk about a little bit with austin gomber uh in a bit or later on but noah davis has shown that grit on the mound and he's got that kind of that old school mentality they're just being a bulldog on the mound growing up that's what i remember my coaches trying to to no, instilling me on the mound is you got to be a bulldog out there on the mound. No, don't show up that emotion. Just keep yourself composed and just gritty and tough on the mound. I believe the modern parlance is having that dog in him. Yes, probably. <laughs> is that what that's what the kids these days are saying? I, I guess <laughs> over there on the TikToks. Good times. Yeah, but, but Noah Davis, we're big fans of you here, over here at Rocky Mountain Rooftop. And hopefully you get more opportunities with the big league club. We still haven't seen him pitch at Coors Field, so he True. needs a he, – he, all three of his appearances in the big leagues have been on the road. So, well, I guess he did kind of technically pitch at Coors Field against the Phillies. Hmm. Dumb. Thank you, Denver Post. For that we will never gift let that, that keeps go. on giving. Anyways, Good old that's no Davis. Field East, no. <laughs> but that's a that's no Davis. We're hopefully we get to see more of him here in the near future. Uh, yeah, especially when this rotation the 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 rotation not even too long ago, five years ago, considered one of the strong suits for this Rockies team has just really, really struggled, especially on the back end. Kyle Freeland's had really one bad game, and uh, in his start against the Phillies, he gave up three home runs, which is 
not great, but that effectively doubled his home run total versus Mm -hmm. the rest of the team is giving up a lot of very loud contact, a lot of home runs. You have guys like Jose Arania, who leads the ML, who leads MLB in home runs allowed with nine and only has nine strikeouts. And you have Austin Gomber, who's really been struggling. And Feltner had a fabulous start against the Phillies the other day, but his first handful of starts really left a lot to be desired. So if we have this guy in Noah Davis, who's shown this guts, who's shown this confidence, I see no reason why we shouldn't have him continue to be out there on a regular basis, especially with how bad this season has been to start. Yeah, and, and a lot of teams are proving just because you're paying you know, your big league free agent the money doesn't mean if he's underperforming, you don't need him on the team. We saw the Diamondbacks just designated for assignment Madison Bumgarner. Ooh, they signed him to a huge deal and $36 million are left on the table, and he's going to be a free agent here pretty soon. So, Rockies, that's not a suggestion. Please yeah. do not pick up Madison Bumgarner. Yeah, <laughs> but like you kind of see those lines of you're a free agent that you spent less than about $4 million on is wildly underperforming in your rotation. And you have a young, cost-controllable guy who is performing much better. I think we know it's, change needs to happen. And Noah Davis has proven, hey, he he's earned a spot. He deserves no, a look in that rotation. And Antonio Senzatella comes back in maybe a month's time. There's options and, and places where the Rockies, at the point that they're at, you need to put your best starting pitchers out there. Mm-hmm. And right now, no, you can keep Ryan Feltner out there. He, he's growing as kind of your rookie starter in that rotation still. He's growing. He's throw out, he'll throw out good outings. He'll throw out bad outings. You'll take the good with the bad because that's what you expect out of the back end of your rotation. But if guys are struggling, you got to make the changes. Something's got to give, as the movie once said. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Like, if, in my opinion, if when we get to June or end of May and, and Sensitela is back, and if certain people are still underperforming, then this rotation should be Herman Marquez, Kyle Freeland, Antonio Sensatela, Noah Davis, and Ryan Feltner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but- you'll notice one of the names that has been omitted there, and I think we might as well just talk about him next, is is what Austin Gomber's been going through so far this season. Yeah. Uh, it's after he got the Pirates series... He got whooped up on. The entire Rockies got whooped up on by the Pittsburgh Pirates, which is not a sentence you, I think I'd be saying in 2023 with where the Pirates are, in the, <laughs> where the Pirates have been in their lives. But then they come into Coors Field and just steamroll through the Rockies. And we won't go into the details of those games because if you're listening to this, you probably suffered through those the same as us. But Austin Gomber especially just got pounded. He wasn't fooling anybody and the pirates were just teeing off on him and he didn't last very far into that game. Once again, the Rockies had to go with another bullpen game and kind of after the game, he was talking about the, just the pressure 
that he's been dealing with since he got traded to the Rockies, where kind of that shadow of Nolan Arenado has kind of been hanging over him, that pressure of living up to being a guy they traded Nolan Arenado for, where he's feeling that pressure and feeling bad about it, not being able to perform, and the team's losing, the team's doing bad, and then you have this trade hanging over him, and he's underperforming, and all these things where he's his mental space is just kind of really fragile at the moment, which is, is you feel for the guy. Absolutely, because he's in a tough situation right now. Yeah, uh, several outlets reported um, reported on this, Thomas Harding, Daniel Allen, Tuck. But basically, Gomber said of the Nolan Arenado trade that it, it's really been looming over him especially hard this season. Uh, he's quoted as saying, I'm not trying to be him. I'm just trying to be myself. But I feel like I'm having a hard time staying in that lane right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he's noted that he, you know, he's felt this way before because – I think any time that you're a player in return for such a outstanding talent, such as Nolan Arenado, you're going to feel some of the pressure on there. But it sounds like this year he's especially having a difficult time shaking that, especially with the team playing really poorly. Uh, And he says, when the team is not playing well as a starting pitcher, you try and take that responsibility at this point. Everyone is taking the ball and trying to end the streak. Let's turn this around. I'm just not in the right headspace to achieve this right now. It's not anything physical. It's just where my mind is when I'm making that pitch. And, you know, I I give him props for coming out and saying it because I always appreciate when guys are transparent with where their mentals are at right now. But that's not something you want to be hearing from a guy in your starting rotation, especially when the team is struggling this much and i said in my in my article on thursday that that is a quotation from a player whose organization is really failing him right now Mm -hmm. and with with how bad the rockies are you can't ignore how tough this has to be on the players in the clubhouse and then you have guys like austin gomber coming out and saying stuff like this you can't ignore even though we don't know necessarily what the original source is that daniel bard just spent the first few weeks of the season on the il for anxiety and it's it's something that concerns me about the state of this team and the state of this clubhouse yeah and that's something that we'll definitely dive into more here in just a second uh but Best wishes to Gomber. Hopefully he can just work with Daniel Bard and, and the resources that the Rockies do have to address this and, and get him back into a more confident space where he can perform. And you know, at that point, who cares about Austin Gomber, the baseball player? Is Austin Gomber, the human being, okay? Mm-hmm. You no. Know, and is he in the right headspace? Is he mentally healthy and taken care of? Because the body follows the mind. And if his mind's not in a in a good place right now and he's struggling, they need to address that. And then the results will follow after that. Things will improve. Absolutely. So best wishes to Austin Gomber as he works with that because he has the talent. We've seen it. We just need him back and he, we need him to, to get okay. Uh, but, folks, brace yourselves. It's ad break time. There'll be a little bit more here in this episode. So don't go anywhere for our audio listeners. We'll be right back here on Affected by Altitude. 
here with Skylar and Evan. All righty. Welcome back here to Affected by Altitude. Uh, we're pausing there for our audio listeners, but the video, hopefully you just see an awkward pause. Please let it just be an awkward pause, Evan. Depends how I edit it. Yeah. <laughs> I, could make, I could make the awkward pause even longer. And just freeze just frame it. Stretch out. And <laughs> just put it on a loop. <laughs> <laughs> but let's keep rolling on here. So Austin Gomber is in that rough space. And that's kind of just a tiny piece of the Rockies organization as a whole. And that's what we want to talk about here, where the Rockies are pretty much off to the worst start in team history. And what a way to celebrate your 30th anniversary, eh? Hey. <laughs> Going into Monday, they are now 6-17. and 17. Uh, That's one of the absolute worst starts in team history, marked with uh, 2002, 2005. Some of the worst seasons. This is, isn't as bad. <laughs> when your season is pretty much as bad or worse than the 2012 season, which we don't acknowledge happened, it's Rockies are in a rough spot. They haven't won a series. That's one of their worst. That's the worst start in franchise history where they haven't won any of their first seven series. They're at the bottom of the league in a ton of offensive categories, pitching stats. It's they're in a bad spot, Evan. Yeah. The, what stands out to me the most is this is actually a worse team start than the 2012 Rockies where if I'm recalling correctly, I don't have the numbers in front of me. The 2012 Rockies lost 10 of their first uh, 20 games. Yeah, they were, they were good in those first two months and then June end of May, June. It was just a nosedive, but we basically, or I talked about this as well. The Rockies um, started their first 19 games at 6-14. and 14, And that ties the, 20, uh, the 2005 team for the worst first 20 games in franchise history. And they still had a game to go. And then they went ahead and won that series opener against the Phillies, but then lost three straight again. So they had an, a losing streak of eight games. They came back and won one game and then immediately started a new losing streak that really doesn't feel like there's going to be any end in sight. And for, you know, the the two middle games of this four-game Philly series were a little bit more competitive. We lost four to three in each game. But then, of course, we just got blown out for, for Sunday's game. And we've been getting blown out a lot. And a lot of that is because... The pitching is just not really up to snuff right now, especially with the rotation. Um, one of the highest starting rotation ERAs in all of baseball, only the Oakland Athletics have higher. That's not good. And when your rotation is there, is not there, and neither is your offense, you have even more of a problem. The Rockies have the worst exit velocity in the league. They're just not hitting the ball hard. Uh, I believe the the commentators for the uh, Rockies-Phillies game today on Peacock were talking about how none of the Rockies' base hits during this game were over 83 miles per hour. <laughs> That's really bad. 
And they're also striking out a ton. They've got one of the highest strikeout totals in the league. They've got one of the highest chase rates in the league, one of the highest whiff rates in the league. They are not hitting the ball hard. They're not putting the barrel to the ball. They're just, this offense is not good, but it's not good in a different way compared to last year's offense because Uh they've got, they've got more home runs than the Rockies had up to this point last year. But the key difference is the ground ball rate has actually improved drastically. So uh, down to around 42% so far this season and their, um, their launch angle is around league average. It's sitting about middle of the league. It was at uh, 13 degrees last time I checked versus you know, last season where the Rockies had the highest, the worst ground ball rate in the league. Their launch angle was terrible. They were just hitting things into the dirt constantly. So I'll say that much. That is improved. But the trade-off is they're not hitting the ball hard at all, and the clutch hitting has been really, really bad. They hmm. are, what was it, two for 16 with the bases loaded after today's game? <laughs> and they're just not getting these clutch hits when they do ground out. It's usually into a double play. The Rockies have the highest amount of uh, grounded to double plays in the league and combine that with all the strikeouts where they're posting double digit strikeouts in pretty much every game. Uh There's just pretty, there's just a fundamental disconnect functionally for this offense. Yeah, it seemed in most of the when they do score runs, it's either they'll score three runs in the first inning and then disappear the rest of the game, where or it'll just be they're manufacturing just a couple of runs. You know, they squeak across one or two, and then the opposing team comes up and hits a three run home run to take back the lead. Yep. And so they're they're gaining little tiny inches and then they fall back three yards. Uh, it, if the Rockies were a football offense, they would be the Denver Broncos. Yeah, I mean that's a that's Pretty a solid much. comparison, <laughs> where they're just not getting it done, and they're not they're not scoring enough. Mm-hmm. And you can look at just how how many times they've been blown out. They've lost by a margin of five or more runs, is how you would define a blowout on say Baseball Reference or something like that. And when you combine the just the non-functional offense mm-hmm. with a defense that hasn't been great and starting pitching that's just not getting the job done. And it, it's bad enough. Like, I'll, I'll give a little defense to the starting pitching here. When the offense is this bad, you basically have zero margin for error. So Kyle mm-hmm. Freeland in his last start gave up four earned runs. It's not great but it's not terrible. That's generally something a decent team can overcome. The Rockies can't overcome that. Uh And so that, that gives you so, so little to work with when the starting pitching that has been bad has to be perfect to make up for an offense that's been bad, that has to be better because the defense has been bad. You just have a complete breakdown of fundamental baseball on every level for this team right now. Mm-hmm. And, but for once, and the bullpen's been solid. Yeah. Uh, what for the last couple of years, the Rockies have no balance where when the bullpen and the pitching's bad, <laughs> Hey, the offense is really good. 
oh, the offense and the starting pitching's bad, but the bullpen's fantastic. <laughs> You're always getting one out of three out of the which one's doing good and everything. But yeah, it's, it's yeah, so it's such like, inconsistency from the team in all aspects and is with the, a with big the problem. bullpen. The bullpen's not been great. Let let's be clear. But I think a big reason the bullpen's not been great because we've seen some really good performances from some guys. Uh, Justin Lawrence has been fabulous. Jake Bird uh, started the season strong, had a little bit of a rough patch, and has really put things back together. But so often the starters are out of the game so early that we're asking way more of the bullpen. And that's mm-hmm. where a lot of the damage gets done during long relief or when the bullpen is exhausted. So the Rockies by ERA still have a bottom 10 unit in baseball, but their team ERA is, is 460. That's not that bad. It's not great, but it's not the, you know, the bottom three in the league, which is the A's at 713, the Royals at 669, and the White Sox at 622. They're like a full two points lower in ERA than the second worst bullpen in baseball. But again, it's the the complete lack of fundamental soundness on this team that's making the bullpen look worse than it actually is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's the overwork, and, and it's mostly inflated by a couple of guys in that bullpen, Lamette, you know, Block, some of these guys that just have really struggled. But then you got Brent Suter, Jake Bird, and Justin Lawrence have been really good as of late. So there's goodness in that bullpen. There's good around, the, but the overall makeup of the team is just so dysfunctional right now where you're the worst starting team history or in franchise history. And the way the Rockies have been playing, as much as we don't want to say it, but it may feel necessary where there may need to be a change in the captain's seat uh, with – Bud Black, because just these are the way your team's performing right now is cause and how things are operating. There seems like cause to have a manager fired. We've seen that in, on any other team. That would be grounds for your manager to be fired. But is that something you think the Rockies need to do or might need to start thinking about? I I think it's really tough because it is the Rockies are in a situation right now that have gotten uh, better managers than Buddy Black fired. And I will again preface, I for the most part like Bud Black. I think he's a he's a good, decent manager. But you look at, say, the Philadelphia Phillies last year or the Toronto Blue Jays last year who both parted ways with their managers fairly early into the season after disappointing starts only to turn around and make the playoffs. And we've seen similar starts in Rockies history before. Skyler, you and I were talking about Buddy Bell, the other Buddy manager for the Rockies back in the early 2000s, who was fired in 2002 after the Rockies got off to a 6-16 and start where everyone was really underperforming and there were a lot of, uh, a lot of younger guys on the team and the, the payroll was drastically reduced from the year previous. And Buddy Bell was fired. 
and we saw Clint Hurdle get fired after the uh, the 2009 season got off to a rough start, and Jim Tracy ended up finishing that season. I believe that was the year that he won National League Manager of the Year because mm-hmm. he turned around that squad and ended up t- taking to the wild card. And you know they didn't make it very far in the playoffs, but they they made it after after a tough start. And it's it's really tough because, in my opinion, it's not all Buddy's fault. And it's really hard with how insular and how close to the chest this team plays everything to know where exactly to assign fault in terms of the day-to-day operations, like construction of the roster, who's playing, um, because some things you can't absolutely blame on Bud, such as the fact that we've had, what, 21 unique lineups in 22 games or something like that? 22 in 23 games. So that's... That's ridiculous to me because it gives no consistency to any of these players because consistency is a really good thing in baseball, especially because it helps you find your rhythm and knowing, you know, what spot in the order you're going to hit, who's going to be around you. That's generally something you want. And I have never seen a team operate like this outside of like the Rays and the Rays are a whole different thing where they field so many unique lineups. Mm-hmm. Where it's like no one is playing in the same space from day to day. Even today's lineup was was different because Yurks and Profar, who since he joined the team, has been batting mostly leadoff, didn't bat leadoff today. Yeah. Now he's batting in the two hole. Charlie Blackman's leading off. Um, Mike Mustakis is back in there as the DA. Harold Castro's at second base. Uh, it, all this inconsistency. And the thing that with you know, changing a manager. And the thing is, that's kind of how you motivate and to change something with the organization where when Buddy Bell and when Clint Hurdle were fired as manager of the Rockies, the players took those to heart because they realized, yeah, these guys get fired because of us, because of how we're playing and performing. The manager, oh, he's the face of that team, and he would be the one to get fired. He's responsible for the team, to manage the team, and no, maybe a change in leadership is needed or Especially something. With the way that this team handles its rookies versus his veterans, mm-hmm. I'm really not sure where to pin the blame on for this, but Bud Black does pencil the lineup card every day. And yeah. you've got guys like Alaris Montero, who's been effectively benched since the Pittsburgh series. He has like one at bat in the Mm -hmm. last week after that Pittsburgh series, mostly because of his defense. He had a couple errors during that pirate series, and then he's effectively been riding the pine since then. And he wasn't hitting great. If you look at his baseball savant page and his stat cast information, uh, he was hitting the ball very poorly in terms of contact, um, low exit velocity, not really barreling the ball. But he was hitting fairly well. He was getting on base. Mm-hmm. And now he's been been relegated purely to the bench. And we're all kind of waiting for the other, sh- uh, other shoe to drop on if he's even going to still be on this team in the near future. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you don't know if that's Bud, who we know has always favored the veterans in his lineup construction. But he's played Ezekiel Tovar, who is who's not hitting particularly well, almost every game. Mm-hmm. 
and has said openly that there's no intention right now to send Tovar down to AAA for additional seasoning, that he is here and he's going to keep playing. So, honestly, I don't know. Well, the thing with Tovar is he provides the value with the glove. The glove is there, the defense is there, and they're willing to sit and be patient with let the bat show up. Oh, he's, what, 21 years old? So you can be patient with Ezekiel Tovar like we talked about oh, last week in our last episode. And it's crazy to think in the course of a week how things have changed for Montero where they're not happy with the glove. And since they focus their pitching staff so much on get ground balls and when he's not able to to do that fundamentally, which is still crazy to me that you get this far professionally and you still don't have like a position it is, is crazy to me, but there's things they could do to get him in the lineup and it would have been like put him at first base or DH, but there's no spot for him because they have their other veterans and guys already established there. And it's crazy to think. And then we've talked about our conspiracy theories that they just don't want him anymore and just want to be rid of the Nolan Arenado situation and which they never will be. Let's just be clear about that too. Yeah. But it turns out when you trade for a young prospect who just didn't have a position, but had the bat potential, but no defensive positions, and you trade him, trade for him, and send away your generational Hall of Famer third baseman, it's not a good swap. And that trade's looking worse and worse all the time, but we won't get into that. So it's tough that you have a rookie who needs playing time, but now he just has been sent to the bench because his glove just isn't what they want it to be right now. But even with his glove not being there, there are ways to still continue to get him playing yeah. time if they wanted to. And that's why I'm I'm buying into our conspiracy theory of they don't really want Montero. I don't know if they don't want him around at all or what, because with 22 unique lineups in 23 games, you can find a place for him to play mm-hmm. somewhat regularly. You can swap him at first base. You can swap him at DH. In a team where Harold Castro is getting fairly regular playing time, they could find a way for Alaris Montero to be getting additional playing time. And they're just not doing that. And uh, they had they had in, in one of these games against Philadelphia, they brought Montero in to pinch hit and then immediately replaced him with Mike Moustakis, mm-hmm. who's also not been playing very well. He's gotten his sack flies. And he draws walks. <laughs> yeah. He's Jason Giambi, so I can accept whatever he does if he does Jason Giambi type things. He's got to start bench. getting home runs for him to be Jason Giambi. Yeah. I'm pretty well, sure he, we had this conversation last week. Yes, we did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one thing, though, no, I just can Montero, does he want to turn into a catcher? Something? Where Where's the space where his defense will, it's not, it doesn't require him to range over as much <laughs> or can fit him well because their base isn't working for him. He just can't get the range down. First base, he could, but you've got better guys coming up who can play it much better. And then outfield, I don't see him really running. Ooh, 
no, no, no. Uh, he's not playing shortstop. He's not Eugenio Suarez. Then second base. I thought I remember him seeing somewhere at second base, like they had tried him out there for a little bit in the minors or in like Albuquerque and didn't work out. I would not want to see Alaris Montero <laughs> try and play second base or shortstop <laughs> with his footwork and his range. Can he pitch? He's got a good arm. Yeah. Uh, turn him into a pitcher. Cause they got to find a position for him because the DH, the, the DH spot spoken for, and that's not how the Rockies don't want to use the DH as like a big poppy situation where you have your, this is going to be our DH every single day. They don't yeah. have a Charlie Blackman. Majority of the time is going to be your DH, but then Chris, he's going to swap out with Chris Bryant and Mike Moustakis. And I get that, but another thing. So if we, if we, if we circle back to talking about Bud Black is if the Rockies were to pull the trigger on terminating Bud Black as the manager, it would be time fairly early in the season for a complete teardown. Mm-hmm. That means getting rid of pretty much everybody as quick as you can. That means trading CJ Crone. That means getting rid of Mike Moustakis. That means getting rid of Harold Castro. And so if, if that were to happen, we, we could be looking at a very, very different Rockies lineup very early on in the season. It would depend on who's replace who would replace him. If Mike Redmond just gets promoted, you're probably going to see a little bit more of the same, maybe some yeah. minor adjustments in the lineup. Uh, or if Warren Schaefer gets the promoted, gets promoted or something, or Vinny Castilla say, Hey Vinny, can you just carry us through the rest of the season and get yourself some managerial experience? Something like that. So we probably wouldn't expect big drastic, like personnel change for a new manager, maybe some tinkering and reshuffling. Uh, but I don't see a major overhaul like, like that happening where you're just burning the house down and selling everybody off in May. Uh, but like maybe minor pieces like, Hey, we don't have room for CJ crone. He can go off and no Montero handle it or Nolan Jones come up something like that. But it's tough to say of what would firing Bud Black do. It's just hard to speculate and guess what could happen. Because as we all know, the real problems with the Colorado Rockies come from much higher up than Bud Black writing out a lineup card every day. It goes way beyond that. And unfortunately, change there isn't going to happen anytime soon, which puts the Rockies in just this it makes everything feel even more hopeless that nothing will change because money still comes in, even if, although attendance is going down. So we'll see. Yeah. We shall see. Okay, Evan, it's time for another ad break. As we move on here, Rockies in a rough spot. We're starting team history. Please let change happen. We need the change. Anyways, We'll take a quick ad break here and finish up with just some fun little conversation about a trip to Albuquerque that I recently took. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back here on Affected by Altitude. Alrighty, we are back here on Affected by Altitude. 
as always, thanks for sticking with us through the ad breaks. Uh, Got to pay the bills somehow. All right, Evan. How are you feeling about the Albuquerque isotopes? They're interesting to watch. They have had some really brutal games. They've had some really fun games. They had that one a couple days ago where they damn near came back from an 11 run deficit. And uh, Jonathan Morales hits a ball high, hits it deep, and the wind just barely kept it in the park. Two outs, bases loaded. It would have been a game-winning grand slam. Mm-hmm. But overall, the the isotopes have so many guys that are interesting to watch, guys that we are hoping to see on the Rockies fairly soon. Uh, in some capacity, Nolan Jones has been fantastic down there. Uh, a guy who I think is really underrated. I don't know um, if he's necessarily a big league starter every day is Jimmy Heron in the outfield. Um, Coco Montes has been fabulous. Aaron Shunk has been a lot of fun to watch. Hunter Stovall. Lots of really, really cool guys down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's they're an interesting bunch. They definitely got a lot more offense. And you kind of have to take pitching with somewhat of a grain of salt because the PCL is just a Tough nightmare to pitch in. Pitch. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so this past Thursday, I had the chance to to go down to the Isotopes game, an 11 a.m. start. That was a fun one. So after that game, they almost come back in went like three and a half hours. They then have to turn around and come back and play at 11 a.m. <laughs> for a a school matinee promotion is what they have. So they have like just the school students, elementary school kids come from all around on a field trip to come to the game, which is really cool to see them all just fell off the stadium and just have the time of their life and act like Padres and Dodgers fans. Every time the ball's hit, they're just screaming, thinking it's <laughs> so exciting everything. But I had the chance to go down there and sit in the press box, hang out there with the guys, uh, Special shout out to to Forrest and and Joe there with you know, charge of like media relations, public the communications aspect, everything getting that set up and making me feel welcome up there in the in the box to watch my very first Isotopes game, Evan. I'd never been there. I live half an hour closer to Albuquerque than I do Denver. That's my first time going to an Isotopes game. That is, first of all, it's really cool that your first ever Isotopes game was in the press box. Like that's awesome. But they've got it's it's on my bucket list. I would really love to go down and see a, a Topes game over at the lab as well because they've got a, a really nice ballpark. Yeah, it is it was really nice and you know clean prison. They don't have the hill out there in center field anymore. They had to get rid of that because of minor league baseball regulations. But they want to be more uniform and a hill out in center field probably isn't <laughs> the best safety feature <laughs> for your ball club. I miss that hill. Yeah, it goes into the great beyond along with the one that was in Texas or in Astros. Somewhere in Texas. Uh, but it, I had to get up at 4.30 a.m., make the three-and-a-half-hour drive in my 2003 Acura MDX <laughs> that I bought from my brother, which uh, I tell you, I've been driving in New Mexico. It's a That's a different beast. There's some, How so? Uh, it gets a little crazy out there. Crazy drivers. And I thought Colorado drivers were bad. That's what everybody says. 
<laughs> wherever they go, like our drivers are the worst, but uh, <laughs> it goes like Utah, New Mexico, and Colorado drivers I've never had a problem with. It's never been that crazy, but I'm not used to driving in the cities, so I can't say as much. But I get there. Love name. I couldn't talk to anybody again because of that early start, which I was kind of sad about. Yeah. Hoping I could talk to like Nolan Jones or Michael Tolia or Jordan Pacheco, who uh, I really appreciate all the what he's doing down there offensively. I think he's done a lot of good for the isotopes and for those players there. And that's why the offense is so fun, too. And we had all those records. But watching the game, it was Tony Gonsolin versus Peter Lambert. Peter Lambert, who was back there to make his start after getting called up by the Rockies and didn't play in that one day. Just kind of the emergency backup arm in the bullpen. But for the most part, Peter Lambert threw three innings, had a rough start to the first inning, and and then after that, gave up the three runs and then settled in for the next two innings. And struggled with his zone of laboring, throwing a lot of balls, not a lot of strikes. Or I think he ended up with like a 50-50 split, strikes and balls. So he wasn't crisp, but he got through pretty okay. Tony Gonsolin was just carving up the Rockies in his rehab start or carving up the isotopes in his rehab start. It felt like I was watching the Rockies. Because <laughs> I think in total, the Oklahoma City Dodgers struck out 16, 16 or 17 isotopes. <laughs> I think it was 17, if I'm remembering correctly. It's like which, 16 or 17, and Michael Tolia was the only one who didn't strike out. Which is crazy, because Tolia has had like one of the big knocks on his profile as a potential major leaguer is his strikeout rates. So yeah. that in a game where everybody was striking out, the fact that Tolia didn't is is really funny to me. Yeah, and, and, but the, the thing that I took away from going to that Isotopes game, and, and if anybody has the opportunity to go down there, I strongly recommend it, especially this season, is despite them losing by a couple runs, despite all the strikeouts, it was still a fun and enjoyable game to watch because it was still like two and a half hours. That was my first time watching the pitch clock in person. Didn't even notice it. Couldn't even, didn't even think of the pitch clock. Like I stared at it a couple times, but never really thought of it. Mm. It was still a fun game to watch. And it was making me like, why? What was what made this fun to watch? And I think a big part of it was what the guys that I was able to watch in person while I was there because it's a AAA game. There's pretty low stakes. I didn't care really if they won or lose as long as they didn't get blown out. They only lost by like a, I think three runs because they're starting to make a comeback. It was kind of keeping it close the whole time. But it was just watching them and their growth in the game. And some of these guys, one of these guys I wanted to talk about was Brenton Doyle. And just watching him in center field, I'm all aboard the Brenton Doyle train here, Evan. I know you guys have been on, but I'm a, I'm all aboard now too. Welcome aboard. It's fun <laughs> here. He's been he's been great so far this season in AAA to the point where I really would like to see him get called up. And I, I know that. You know, Jonathan Daza took a, a pitch to the hand today, and if there's any damage, he might be uh, going to the IL. And you've got the same with Chris Bryant. Uh, and I know that the logical choice is that uh, you reinstate Randall Gritchick, but I would love Carol to Castro. see Brenton Doyle get some big league playing time. Yeah, because you can you can look at the numbers and, and you know analytics and all that stuff. 
but to be able to watch a guy in person, you know, live in person and how he handles himself out in center field was getting me excited. And it was cool to watch that because watching on TV is one thing or, or listen on the radio, but to actually watch it in person, there's things you can see that, that you don't get to see on TV and everything. And just watching how he handles himself in center field, how he sets up his reactions off the bat, being able to read a ball. Uh, he made a spectacular couple. Of, he made some good plays out there in center field. One that stuck with me. Uh, well, there's two. The first one was ball popped up way high in the air. He initially starts to run back, takes a couple steps, and then he pauses and realizes, oh, that's going to be way shorter. He immediately pivots and starts sprinting forward and cat makes the catch on the run. And we've seen some plays like that with the Rockies where you know, Jonathan Daza take, kind of gets a bad read, and then he comes sprinting in, and it plops down right in front of him for a base hit. So just to see oh, Doyle able to make those little adjustments mid-play. And then the next one was a wild one. Deep in center field, in the gap, he runs, makes a diving Superman catch. Slides the guy on second actually came in to score for a sack fly because of <laughs> the dive and just how he landed and popping up and still firing it in. But it was a fantastic catch. And then he also hits a home run in the game, had a walk-off home run the other night. Seeing him, it, it was exciting just to see him play in a lot more confidence. Like, man, I want this guy patrolling center field at Coors Field or for the Rockies because I think he could make a big difference. The big thing for Doyle has always been his defense. He's won a, a minor league gold glove for his defense in center field. He's got great legs, great range, great speed, is capable of making good reads on the ball and making those spectacular catches as well as the routine ones. And what was always the issue was, is his bat capable of being a major league bat? And with how he is hitting down in Albuquerque, and I know the PCL is a, is a much more hitter-friendly league, but he's hitting 306, 404, 633 with five home runs in under 50 total at-bats. That's mm. pretty solid. That's a guy that I would like to see get some big league playing time this year. And I think that's what makes minor league baseball so great as a whole is the level of expectations when you are watching a minor league game are so different. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily matter. Like, obviously, it's better if your team wins. Like, of course, you'd prefer to to see the team that you're rooting for win. But it's less about the winning and losing and more about the specific players that you are there to see. You're there to see Brenton Doyle. You're there to see Michael Tolia. You're there to see Coco Montes and think about what they could potentially offer to a big league squad. And that's a lot of fun. And I'm... I'm really hoping – I wish Colorado had minor league baseball still. I'm not throwing shade at indie ball. I think the owls are fun and the vibes are fun. Independent league baseball is great. But this state is sorely missing minor league baseball, easily accessible minor league baseball, uh-huh. because the isotopes for me, that is not – uh, that is not a, a drive that I could make it a day. That's almost 13 hours to get down there for me. And so that's not really in the cards. I'm I'm really looking forward to, I'm, I'm going out to Texas at some point in the near future. 
and I really want to go to a Frisco Rough Riders game. Frisco Rough Riders are the AA affiliate of the Texas Rangers because they're there. And I know how much fun minor league baseball can be. And I haven't been able to go to a minor league game in years and years and years since the Sky Sox, you know, ceased to exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what's nice is with that triple A baseball, especially is it's a nice alternative to watching the Rockies <laughs> because you know, it's just the next level down. You see a lot of former big leaguers in there. You see guys that are on the cusp of making it into the big leagues. And so it's still kind of got that like, big league feel but also at a much affordable price and uh, it's just kind of more fun to see the chili race on the field uh, the little games they had in between innings uh, it was just a lot of fun to hang out there and just kind of see the environment and wondering like man this is what baseball is supposed to be and what Rockies baseball could easily become again with a nice, fun stadium environment, you know, a decent product on the field where it's still exciting what's happening. Even if they lose, it was still close. And he saw home runs. He saw some awesome pitching, even from the opposing team. It, it was a much better brand of baseball than what I've watched with the Colorado Rockies. Especially this season. Yeah. Where- you know, I went to the first game of that Pittsburgh Pirate series, and I was already feeling. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge Rockies fan. I'm a huge baseball fan. I'm there for the game, and I was already fairly checked out mm-hmm. by the second inning. Mm-hmm. And I was seeing fans heading for the exit in the third. Mm-hmm. The most excited, the most engaged that I got with that game was when they brought Alan Trejo into pitch in the ninth. <laughs> and like that's that's so tough. And I, I get it, you can't win every game, but you're you're so right that um in a minor league environment where there's less emphasis placed on the result of the game, regardless of how good your team is, is 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 fun it's fun to watch minor league games and that's one of the best things mlb tv added the minor league games into their app this year for for no additional cost so if you have an ml mlb subscription you can watch all of the minor league games that your heart desires with no blackout restrictions mm-hmm. so if you are say in skyler's location where you cannot watch the rockies legally on TV and you are blacked out on MLB TV, you know who you can watch. It's the isotopes, the yard goats, the grizzlies. For some reason, Spokane is like never televised, but when they are, you can watch them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's just a fun environment. And that's all you, at the end of the day with major league baseball to, to tie this all together and what makes it so even harder with the Rockies struggling like they are because it feels it's just unwatchable. And at the end of the day, baseball is entertainment and we're seeing Rockies attendance numbers go down as the numbers go down. It's because they're just not fun to watch. It feels like a grueling chore of you're just sitting on an oven without pants on and you're just burning yourself time and time again. But you feel like, well, 
this is what I've got. And what uh, I'm reminded of, and, and you might remember this back in the day, the uh, the video from Cleveland area comedian Mike Polk Jr. about the Browns, the Factory of Sadness video, <laughs> where a Browns fan is just standing outside of the stadium yelling at it. Like calls it, you are a factory of sadness because this was back when the Cleveland Browns were really, really bad. And one of his lines in there is, we're not asking you to be good. We're asking you to be watchable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's all we can ask of the Rockies is just be watchable, like try to be competitive and competent and just put out a good product out to your fan base. Like I would rather watch, you know, uh, how could I swallow a hundred loss season is man. How close were they in most of those games? Were yep. they competitive until the final pitch? You no. Know, was it close? Oh, we came up just short. We lost five to four, but we had a man, and a man on first in the ninth inning and, and our best hitter up to the plate. Now I could swallow that kind of loss because man, we we're close. It was close and competitive, but when you're turning off the game after the third inning because we're losing seven to one, you're like, uh, I'm going to watch something else. <laughs> and that's the thing is, is the competitiveness of you can still be a losing ball club, but if you're competitive in every game, you're going to win more games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when you are the, the 2023 Rockies and you really haven't been a competitive ball club, I have, turned off more Rockies games this season at this point in the season than I probably did all year last year. And I don't, I don't want to do that. That's not what I want. That's not what anybody wants is to go. I don't think I want to watch this team that I love. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what's so hard about the 2023 Rockies is that they're not fun. They're mm-hmm. not they're not particularly interesting. They're not exciting. They're not competitive. They're just I hate to say it, they're just a bad baseball team. They're simply existing at this point in time, which is, is tough to say, and we see that. There's no identity, things need to change, growing apathy in fans. And hey, if you're feeling those if you have those conditions, symptoms, call your doctor. Uh, but honestly, like check out the isotopes. If you can watch them, you could just spend the five bucks a month for MLB game day audio, just the audio. If you just get the audio package, you can watch these minor league games on your TV, on your phone, give the isotopes a call or a call, Uh, give them a watch, follow them because they're fun. And you got big leaguers. There's, the stakes are different where it's, these are guys just trying to play the best that they can so they can get that call up. And it's like in college football between NFL where people will prefer watching college football because the passion is different because they're trying to prove themselves or playing for the love of the game. That's the feeling that you get watching you no know, minor league baseball and the isotopes is you feel like you're watching the Rockies because you're watching the future of the Rockies. And that can give you some things to be excited about, or you're watching some of those struggling veterans that are trying to find a way back to the big leagues. And you see some good outings like Logan Allen or uh, I completely forgot the name of the other guy that came in, Josh Rogers. Some of those guys coming in trying to find, they'll put out some good outings 
and things. So I highly recommend them. Watch the isotopes. The- if you love the Simpsons or if you love Breaking Bad, watch the isotopes. Wait a minute. These are Southwestern topics. <laughs> the The last thing I'll say on, on minor league baseball is that something I really like about watching minor league games is that it gives you more investment into not only your organization, but the individuals in it, because uh-huh. you see these younger guys or the guys trying to make their way back on the minor league teams. And that makes it even more meaningful when they make their debut or when they make it back to the majors that the, one of the biggest stories last year was Winton Bernard. And one of the reasons why I was so much more invested in Wynn Bernard, and it was still an amazing story, was because I had been watching him play in Albuquerque, and you know what a what a nice guy and what an exciting player he can be. And for him to finally make that call up, it it provides that tangible sense of investment in in the prospects, in the reclamation projects, in your just career minor leaguers in in every aspect of that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So it's it was a ton of fun. And I think the isotopes are like leading the PCL in attendance to, and just yeah. on Saturday night, they had like close to 12,000 people for a fireworks night. Like the people of Albuquerque in general, the baseball is big there with the isotopes and they're showing out, they're having fun. They're engaged in the game. You know, even when guys, they don't know if you can watch some of those early games in the season, the guy shows up that they don't know. They're like, hey, They'll find his name and you can be like, okay, come on, so-and-so. That's, cheering for that's what makes the, the programs more useful in minor leagues. And yeah. the guys who become fan favorites down there. A couple of years ago, you remember Rio Ruiz, um, mm-hmm. who you know, the Rockies called up and he unfortunately wasn't really able to make uh, a big mark in the, in the 2021 season. But he was a fan favorite down in Albuquerque. They loved him down there. <laughs> and he was doing good. So it's fun. It's just a fun way. If so, if you're feeling kind of burned out by the Rockies, give the Isotopes a chance or any of those minor league teams, but Isotopes especially. Good group. Good group running the ship down there. And they fed me breakfast up in the press box, which was really nice. What did they give you? It was bacon and eggs. Heck That's yeah. A great way to start. And some French toast. That sounds like a great way to start the day. Heck yeah. Good stuff beats the gas station burrito i tried to eat at five o'clock in the morning that tasted like garbage oh man you tell me you couldn't find like a sonic on the way or something no the sonic's up in alamosa i was heading south through la Jera. <laughs> sonic was north i was heading south to new mexico or like a mcdonald's you can get like a those were also up like, north in alamosa <laughs> Man, there is just not a lot down in that little corner. Welcome to rural Colorado, where all the restaurants are really in one town. Everything else is kind of the little small farmer, mom and pop shops. Which what one of those is going to be open at five a.m.? Yeah. <laughs> so I had to go to the Alta convenience store or whatever they are. Anyways. We've been running too long now, (laughs) so we'll close this out. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us here on Affected by Altitude, as always, and for sticking with us here and all your support. As always, you can follow me over on the Twitters at sideline underscore crowd. 
as well as our uh, Twitter account for Rocky Mountain Rooftop. That's Rocky, R-O-C-K-Y, M-T-N, Rooftop. And also, you can follow us at Altitude Effect. We haven't been as active on that one as of late, but you can still follow us there. A big part of that is, is trying to grow the um, the Rocky Mountain Rooftop Twitter. Yeah. We definitely want to be active on the Altitude Effect Twitter, but trying to get this new brand launched and everything like that. Unfortunately, a lot of the focus has gone to that main account, but we still appreciate all your support. Also, we don't like TweetDeck that much. True. Which is dying. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Evan underscore Lang 27. Would love to hear from you. You can find both of us writing on Purple Row and our respective rock piles. Skylar on Wednesdays, myself on Thursdays. And you can purchase our amazing new t-shirt uh, at the new Rocky Mountain Rooftop store, which is rocky-mountain-rooftop.myspreadshop.com. We appreciate every sale. We hope some of y'all get a kick out of this shirt. Enjoy confusing your friends who don't understand the reference, but <laughs> but you'll know. Geek down, you'll know. You'll know, and you can also follow us on Instagram. Same, oh, that's at right. Rocky MTN Rooftop. Uh, we'll post maybe some of the some of the clips. If you're not not into the Twitters, uh, we'll share stuff over there on Instagram. Lineups, uh, final scores, clips for if anything good happens in the Rockies, things like that. Uh, Follow us around and like and subscribe here on YouTube. Everything helps. Also, Evan, new episode of Every Rocky Ever coming out this Wednesday. We're talking the sinker baller himself, one Aaron Cook. Who doesn't love Cookie? It's a good conversation between my brother and I. I'm uh, looking forward to it. It was a fun one. But yeah, well, Evan, I believe that is the end. This is, the, is end. the end. My only friend, the, the end. end. Until next time, hit him with it, Evan. Farewell. Farewell. Nice on. Nice on. <laughs>